0: The following program is brought to you by your friends at Podcast One. Welcome to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Weekly winners from his Wise Guy Roundtable. Broadcasting from the pregame.com studios in Las Vegas. Here is RJ Bell college
1: football week 11 edition with my wise guy roundtable to my right Brad Powers right in front of me Ken Thompson to my left special guest Steve Fezzik back by popular demand guys what a show we've got for you right here we got three best bets coming up one two and three how does Ohio State and Iowa respond to last week's historic? And we'll talk about the history, historic result. How does the college football playoffs and those rankings that came out last week affect this week's games? Two pros versus Joes, smart money, double likes, and we always start Brad Powers versus the world. He does his power ratings and well, you got to figure someone's going to disagree. First up, Ken Thompson disagrees Oh, what a surprise, <laughs> Ohio State, Michigan. Let me guess, Ken, you disagree
2: on? Well, I disagree on Ohio State, and it's Ohio State, Michigan State.
1: All right, so Ohio State, Michigan State. I said Michigan? Yes,
2: you I did. guess I
1: was looking to You're salvage looking the season somehow. Yes, you are. <laughs> after, well, let's be candid. We're going to do fine in that game. Well, well, against Michigan State, though, Buckeyes opened up minus 17. A lot of money on the dog, down to 14 and a half. You've got Ohio State, Brad, number 13 in the country in your ratings. And, Brad, you've got him number five.
3: Yes, absolutely.
1: All right, so make your case, Ken.
2: Well, I just look at this Ohio State team again. I mean, you can tell me that you got one win against Penn State, 39-38, which lost a little luster when they can't win at Michigan State. So I'm just wondering where is that marquee win from the Buckeyes? And, of course, they're playing most of their you know big games at home. And to go into Kinnick Stadium and lose like that, there's just no excuse. It was the first time that I can remember seeing an Ohio State team w- where I felt that they literally quit in the fourth quarter to let those number those points continue to be piled on. Just kind of blew me away, not an Urban Meyer trademark.
1: And there really was some history there. If you ha- if you look at a 20-point or more underdog winning the game by 30 or more points, only the fifth time since 1980. So we're talking almost 40 years, and this is the fifth time that there was such a big underdog that dominated in such a way. So, Brad, let's start with it. Who, how did you downgrade Ohio State? How many points, and what did you see in that game? Was there any kind of like, hey, here's why it happened, or was it just Buckeyes weren't near as good as we thought?
3: Uh, first off, downgrade them four points, which is quite significant this late in the season. I mean, about as big as I'll ever go, and in fact, I usually don't go above three this time of season. But a fifty-point, you know, non-cover for Ohio State, and the fact that they're most likely out of the playoffs and they'll have questionable motivation maybe moving forward. That's why I thought it was warranted. Now, as far as the game goes, I will say this: I don't know if it necessarily was a thirty-one-point type of blowout. Main factor being four Ohio State turnovers led to four scores for Iowa, including a pick six on the very first play of the game where the dominoes started falling against Ohio State.
1: So what I'm hearing is huge downgrade, probably, though, not as bad as the score, the result, the actual truth of it, not as bad as the score. Absolutely. So, Fez, you keep your power ratings. Now, in NFL, you are meticulous and, I believe, unmatched. In college, I know you still do your ratings and you work with people to kind of sounding board off them. What did you guys do with the Buckeyes?
4: Yeah, we lowered them five and a half points. Part of that's motivation. We're concerned about how motivated this team will be. We're also questioning, are they living off the past and how well this team performed for years? We're seeing a clear trend here. Remember the game at the end of the year against Clemson, where they're actually a small favorite. They lose 31 to nothing. We seem to get blown out by Oklahoma. Hey, in the first quarter, they're getting blown out by Penn State. Clearly, Ohio State is not at the level that we're giving them credit for based upon the last five years.
1: And when you say giving them credit, you mean the rating last week. Now you think you've got them where they're supposed to be, right? That's why you've got them there.
4: Well, we're still worried it's too high, but we're not sure. We don't have a lot of confidence with it because the question is, like Brad says, you hate to make a seven point adjustment based on one game.
2: RJ, here's the thing I I, I don't mean to interrupt, but earlier. This year, several weeks back, if you go back, listen to the podcast, I disagreed with Brad's Michigan, and I disagreed with Ohio State, then Michigan, then Ohio State. And it's the same thing. The Big Ten to me is so overrated, it's ridiculous.
1: Which I think is going to be an interesting debate here soon about Wisconsin and where they are in the power ratings or in the college football playoff ratings. Um, let's talk, Fez, let's segue right into your leaner like on this game, though I do think you brought up a good point. Guys, when you do any assessment on a game is you should assess what you think the spread should be. And thus, if there's a big difference, you want to bet it, but also give it an A, B, or C confidence level. So it doesn't matter if it's the worst team or the best team. If you're highly confident of your assessment, an A, somewhat, a B, and not confident at all, with C. And then what you want to do is just eliminate the Cs. And I would say right now – the Buckeyes are about as high variance as – I could see them winning by 30 here. Mm-hmm. I could see them losing this game. So I wonder, do you – Fez, when there's high variance like this, do you find that typically the money line on, like, the underdog here won't be paying what it should? Like, there's kind of a a, a structure of, okay, 14-and-a-half-point dog, they should be getting plus whatever do you think Michigan state right now is getting the payback on the dog that they would in a typical situation? Or do you think the money line conversion is accounting for the high variance that I think is reasonable to assume Ohio state has in this game. The money line conversion
4: does not look at the high variance. It just looks at the point spread. So if you like Michigan state a lot, you'd want to potentially look on the money line for a nice portion of your bet. It makes a lot of sense. I agree strongly with you that this is a very high variance game. And not
1: to get mathematical because that's not really what we're doing here, but the theory is there's a, a normal distribution of a result that should have the most likely result being the spread itself. And then as you go out and out and out in, in a way that Iowa results, an example of being 50 some points off the spread uh, is, is, is a once, you know, every couple year type, I guess, occurrence. Um, I haven't exactly looked at that. Analysis, but let's say a very rare occurrence, and a 14 and a half point dog winning is quite rare, but if it's high variance, it means it's very possible, or
4: it's more possible than you might think from history. So Fez leaner like in this game, Yeah, so I lean to Ohio State. My number one handicap is I'm worried that Michigan State Sparty is going to run out of gas. They get a tear down the goalpost type of win. Prior to that win against Penn State, they had four straight very close games that could have gone either way, including an overtime loss at Northwestern. They were at Michigan. They, uh, they played Michigan. They played at Minnesota. So this is a team that if they get down 14 points, I could see the Buckeyes wanting to step on their throat and Sparty just run out of gas.
2: I can't disagree with, like you guys talking about, high variance. If you see the Ohio State team that played the fourth quarter against Penn State, that team can beat anybody in the country. If you see the team that played last week in the fourth quarter that really had nothing left and really didn't care what the score was. It just, like I said, for the first time, I saw a little bit of quit in Ohio State, and that's not a trademark of Urban Meyer or the Ohio State University. So uh, it's a it's a game right now that I'm going to lean towards Michigan State, and the only reason is because they have momentum, they're playing well, and they have a couple receivers, Felton Davis the third, and Hunter Risen, Andre Risen's son, that have really stepped up. A couple youngsters. In fact, their whole receiving core, junior, sophomore, freshman, freshman, and they've really gained some confidence. So now these guys are growing up, and Lewerke doing a nice job controlling the, the tempo there at quarterback.
1: So lean Michigan State from Ken. Brett.
3: Yeah, I lean with Michigan State here, and number one, it's their, in their preferred dog, dog role here, especially against Big Brother, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, doesn't matter. We're taking this back. This is a six or seven year trend now. They're 17 and four against the spread in the underdog role. 14 outright upsets, including a couple times this year in the underdog role. Outright wins as a double-digit underdog Penn State in Michigan. I think it's a trend that carries forward year after year because this is what this whole program is about here under D'Antonio. As far as, you know, they've been disrespected ever since Mike Hart's little brother comments, not only against Michigan, but against the Buckeyes and everybody else. And I look at the head-to-head here. Urban Meyer, Mark D'Antonio, five meetings. Mark D'Antonio beat him twice. Two of the three losses by a single point. Uh, Urban hasn't been able to get margin whatsoever uh, against Mark D'Antonio on the Spartans. So why not a like? Why not a like? Because I agree with the high variance. I don't want to be liking against Urban Meyer off a 31-point loss and a 50.9 cover. And I agree with Fez the fact that I'm worried. That was my number one question heading into this game. How much does Michigan State have left in the tank?
1: So a couple things. Uh, we are the pregame.com, the official odds provider of the Associated Press. Usually I would say the Ohio State University, but I'm going to back off just a little this week. (laughs) One week. Uh, Ralph Russo, one of their senior college football writers, asked me to look up D'Antonio as a double digit underdog. All right, Only 11 times in his career at Michigan State. Two and nine straight up. Six and five ATS. So great as a dog, Brad, per your uh, trend, but not great as a double digit dog. Now that's a small sample, but certainly nothing to write home about there. I lean Michigan state. And by the way, this is a smart money game. There's four different games one way or the other that are smart money. Some are pros versus Joe's. Some are going to be pure smart money. This baby was a power ratings disagreement, but smart money. One of four of our big games, Michigan state from the books, straight from the books. So everyone, but Fez, I think agreement there. Here's why I, I do like even Michigan State, the dream crusher. We'll be talking about this the rest of the year. Let's define it. It's when a team has a result that prevents their dream from happening. Their dreams are crushed. And it's just hard for kids or professionals to respond with 100% effort and vigor that next week. And I think because of that, yeah, um, just like a, a jockey – you know, cropping a horse as hard as he can down the stretch. I'm sure that Meyer's going to be hitting with the, with the crop. I just don't know how much is there, especially to get margin as Brad said it. So I do have a, a like personally, and I don't typically like many college football games myself on Michigan state and the dream crusher being the main reason.
2: RJ also uh, Nick Bosa will miss the first half for the targeting from last week.
1: Okay. And that's
2: a, that's a key. These are catalysts on defense.
1: All right. Game number two. This is Brad versus the Associated Press. We mentioned them. Brad says, Hey, I respect their 100 plus years of history, probably the most unbiased news source, but I disagree. Explain Arkansas, LSU, and right now, LSU favored at home by 17.
3: Yeah, and my disagreement is I think LSU is underrated, currently not ranked in the Associated Press Top 25 poll. They currently sit at just outside at number 26. I have them number 14 in my power rings. And, uh, you know, looking at their performance, not only last week, really comparable to Alabama, they outgained the Crimson Tide. First time Alabama's been outgained since the national championship game last year, but it's just not that game. It's the last four games for them. I've seen the buy sign officially was turned on in the Florida game. And they've carried it over with an outright upset win over a top 10 Auburn team. They put the hammer down on Ole Miss competed very well, better than anybody so far with Alabama. This is to me, a top 15 caliber team.
1: Okay. Now this shows you the complexity (laughs) of betting college football or any sport really. So Brad is saying all things equal, no consideration of matchup, no consideration of motivation, travel, any of that. He thinks LSU is better than the AP, which I think he's a good stand in for the mainstream opinion. He thinks that LSU is much, much better. But in this game, Arkansas plus
3: 17 is. I'm leaning with Arkansas, so I'm going. So there's
1: other factors. What are they?
3: And the other factor being, I always get concerned with LSU off of Alabama. And a lot of times, almost every year, they play Arkansas, a pretty physical team. Well, you look at the last 10 years, Arkansas is 8 2 against the number against LSU. And again, they're catching them off a physical game against Alabama. Now we talked about high variance. I do see a lot of high variance here. Let's talk about Arkansas high variance. You know, one week, the, the, you know, in one particular game, they're down 31 to seven Ole Miss rallied from behind last week against coastal Carolina, a bottom five team in the entire country and they're getting beat at home. So really what I've seen out of Bielema, this would be the spot to play on them. They're getting their quarterback back and it's a big number. I that's why I'm leading with Arkansas plus the 17.
1: We're taping on Tuesday afternoon here in Las Vegas. So not a ton of money in yet on this game, but so far, and if you go up to pregame.com, click the game center, go to the consensus tab. You can see the splits cash and tickets on every game right now. LSU 63% of the tickets of the bets on the game, only 36% of the money. So it implies early, at least the bigger money, on arkansas fez you are passing this
4: one give us your number one factor only it's 11 a.m local start time they're vampires down in louisiana there they love playing at night in baton rouge that is not lsu's advantage to have to start during brunch
2: yeah good stuff all right so ken leaner like uh yeah i'm leaning towards lsu i just uh arkansas i've just watched this team a couple weeks in a row and just not impressed with the way they're you know, get, Getting behind to teams like Coastal Carolina makes no sense. Cole Kelly did what he could do. And I think Austin Allen maybe even being rushed back. The quarterback, Brad, talks about the starter coming back. He's missed the last couple games. And so I'm not convinced he really has anybody to throw the ball to, even if he is somewhat healthy. And I think the Bayou Bengals, even an early start, their defense is that formidable. And they showed it against Alabama. They actually outgained Alabama by seven yards at Bryant-Denny Stadium.
1: Okay, so we've got lean Arkansas from Brad, lean LSU from Ken, a pass from Fez. Don't get much more down the middle than that one. (laughs) By the way, there is one more disagreement, but it's on our special weekday bonus pod. And we're doing the Friday game with Washington. Stanford. and, And Stanford. That's a big one. Now, to get that, you can follow me on Twitter. His
0: Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas. Or
1: if you're subscribed to us on SoundCloud, it's up there on SoundCloud just Search for pregame if you're not subscribed, but Twitter's the best way on that one. Okay, next game. And, oh, by the way, that one, it's Fez disagreeing with Brad, so that should be fun. Next game, oh, we talked about Iowa. Off a historic upset. Let's say those numbers again because it's amazing. Fifth time, you've had a 20-plus point underdog win by 30 or more. Now, how do they respond? That's the question. Well, we got Wisconsin
2: at home favored by 12 and a half against Iowa 12 and a half Ken, lean or like uh, i'm leaning towards Iowa and, and the re- yeah re- i'm sorry re- yeah reason being is this uh, i understand could have the letdown off the ohio state win but the w- wisconsin team to me They're winning games, and again, they're doing it with smoke and mirrors in parts of their games. And I'm not convinced this team is that great. And they're missing two key starters: their best receiver and by far their fastest guy, Quintez Cephas, is out, and one of their star line. What's his name? Quintez Cephas. Wow. And then they're also missing I mean, not even with a
1: stutter. (laughs) Stutter. I mean, that's a pro right there, baby.
2: Yeah, and I mean, Jonathan Taylor, uh, great game, 183 yards rushing. They fell behind Indiana, ten nothing, came back and. Things went, you know, it worked out and then two interceptions and two plays and the game was over. They are a team that takes advantage of breaks that are made. And they have a great defensive coordinator, former NFL player Jim Leonard, uh, who does a real nice job. But Iowa, to me, is one of those teams that now has both running backs in their stable. They were wondering if James Butler, the transfer from Nevada, was going to be uh, comparable to Akram Wadley and help him out. Last week was the first time all season. He ended up getting 192 yards between the two of them and Butler, 7.4 yards per carry on 10 carries. Very impressive. They get that quality type of uh, action there with the running the ball. Clock's going to keep going with both teams running the ball. That's a lot of points to give.
1: All right, so Ken with a lean on Iowa. Brad, I'm going to hit you with two topics. Number one, we talked about this on Straight Out of Vegas. That's our Fox National Show, 330. Stations nationwide series channel 83. It's the first sports betting show on one of the three major radio networks, ESPN, CBS, or Fox. We're very proud of that. Friday nights, 11 Pacific to midnight Pacific Saturday, extra hour, 10 o'clock Pacific to midnight. And that Saturday show, first hour recapping the hot off the press college football action. And then the second hour Fez, Fez, in a driver's seat. Well, he's kind of defending himself often against my (laughs) attacks of pure logic, but it's an interesting (laughs) back and forth because Fez usually wins those babies, but I come with aggression for sure. And we are previewing the NFL. And then also on my Twitter, we tweet out the shows uh, right after. So you can check those out Saturday and Sunday morning. If you don't get to listen live. All right. Question number one, Brad, and we talked about this, Iowa, I've heard wise guy after wise guy, some of them, you know, struggling to necessarily pay their rent, but still they're probably in the 97th percentile of professional betters. It's just 97th percentile often struggles to pay their rent because of that dastardly minus 110. Saying, I was overrated. I was over three years. I've heard this. Colin saying, Oh, the fake idea of college football. We sat there for about 10 minutes on straight out of Vegas saying, what is going on here? I stumbled
3: upon a hypothesis. You researched it. Looks like we might be onto something. Yeah, you gave me a little bit of homework and the homework results are Iowa get it does get up for ranked opponents. You look at the last three plus seasons, they're eight and two against the spread. So
1: three plus as in three prior full seasons and this, this one season. being the
3: fourth. Okay. Yes, absolutely. And they're eight and two against the number against ranked opponents, but more impressively to me, it's that ATS cover margin, just not the fifty point cover last week but prior to even that one they had covered the spread by more than 10 points per game in fact you add it all up plus 145 points compared to the closing line so 10 games 8 and 2 against the spread against ranked opponents last four seasons for
1: Iowa they've covered now by an average of over two touchdowns per game by definition we always say it the spread is expectations. so they've exceeded expectations by over two touchdowns per game against ranked opponents okay maybe they just kill against all opponents how about the
3: non-ranked It's a losing record. It's 16, 19 and two, obviously not a winning record, not horrible, but obviously underwhelming against these opponents and including in there are like losses against North Dakota state, a two and 10 Iowa state team. So that's where everyone builds up. Hey, this team's overrated, (laughs) but I mean, they're certainly not overrated when they're playing the big boys. That's for sure. So Fez, oftentimes people lament. They say, (laughs) you know, how does the
1: magic happen? Well, in this case, the magic happened on live national radio We were just thinking and thinking. I said, maybe it's that, and the magic happened. What do you think of the logic about this Iowa team? You know, this is, in a way, an indictment on the coach, which is they don't get up. It's almost Tomlin-esque with the Steelers, right? Steelers, in a very competitive game, they play, you know, they get up. They don't always win, but they're playing hard, hard, hard. And because they're down in the other games, more than they should be. they usually tend to be underrated a little cause all those stats are blended. If you have motivation, which is up and down the stats and the results blended, aren't going to be as good as the team is at their peak. Does that kind of get you thinking,
4: huh? I don't want to fade Iowa when they're playing a ranked opponent. Oh, absolutely. It's kind of like the Serena Williams. Of college football, where no, that's they, a good one, yeah. Where you know you're never confident Serena's going to be able to get by in straight sets against a number ninety nine team, but when she plays a top opponent, she crushes them in straight sets. And Iowa at Kinnick Stadium at home, House of Horrors. I mean, I don't really know why. I know they paint the visitor locker room peach to like make the opponents like not be motivated. It just works. It's like
1: feminizing them or something.
4: It just it's, it's they don't. Pink, pink,
1: and yeah, <laughs> <You're a peach. laughs> that's funny. I didn't know that one. All right, Brad. Second question. Little get a little bit of kind of taking a bow here. Is we were on with Colin Cowherd, Fez. We took a bow last week. Colin said, Fez, who's going to make the NFC Super Bowl participant? Who's going to be the Super Bowl representative from the NFC? Now this is before the season started. Fez said, Well, I think the Eagles, looking pretty sharp right now, Brad. Same preseason, we did a college football pod with Colin, and he asked you, "Give me a long shot national title contender." Who'd you give him? I give him Wisconsin. Now you betted at eighty to one. It was about forty to one at the
3: time. What's the current number? Uh, the current number has them, I believe, down to like ten to one or, or twelve to one in some odds. So you you don't know? No, not not maybe maybe say to I, 1, don't some, then. I don't know that.
1: I don't know. Faz, you have any idea? No idea. Okay, so Fez, can you look this up as we're talking and then put up your left hand
4: and then we're going to call on you. (laughs) You, We'll do one other important note. (laughs) In this game, cold, icy rain, really bad weather helps the dog. Interesting, because in theory, it's going to lower the scoring,
1: right? And also it's going to make passing more difficult. Wisconsin's more of a running team, right? So Brad, as Fez is getting this info, and it doesn't really matter if it's 8, 10, 12, 15, same concept, you were ahead of the curve on Wisconsin. How do you think... The reality of Wisconsin, if they win out, and here's the thing about style points, and I think we're going to have to talk about this with all the teams. You've got to ask yourself, will there be a scenario that there's going to be any subjectivity to them making it? So if Wisconsin loses one game, they have no chance to make it. If they win every game, there's no chance they don't make it. Now, there's been a lot of people saying, oh, well, Wisconsin, listen, this is the Big Ten, right? Colin was ranting and raving today, and I thought he was right, is can you see a scenario that someone, now they're going to have to beat, what, Ohio State or Penn State, most likely, in, in the Big Ten title? That now won't be like beating Alabama, but a team that goes undefeated in the Big Ten makes the title game, unless there's four other undefeated Big Five conference teams at that point. So does anyone disagree with that? No. All right. So really what is the scenario? Of the style points matter for Wisconsin. I, I, they don't really at this point, just keep winning. So do you think, how does Wisconsin now seeing the end of the tunnel? They see if we can do X, Y, and Z, the national playoffs are in our power. How does it affect this game?
3: I, I, in this particular game? I, I don't know if it does so much. It's not my number one factor as far as this game. In fact, You know, my, one of my major factors is I think they're overrated. Yeah. I'm sitting happy with that ticket, but to me, they're still not even in the top 10 of my power ratings, RJ and they're a team that, you know, benefited from three turnovers in the fourth quarter last week against Indiana, a very phony final there, a seven point game all of a sudden turns into a four touchdown when I don't know if they're looking for style points. In fact, if it's not for turnovers, I don't know if they are capable of style points here.
1: All right. So you though are passing on this game
3: yeah because uh, I get one pass of of all our games this is the one yeah I really want to play against both teams I want to play Iowa off that outlier 50 point cover against Ohio State and again I want to play against Wisconsin even though I'm sitting with that 80 to one national title ticket all right Faz you got the number yeah currently down to 15 to one which is woefully short
4: okay okay Faz any closing thoughts on this one just leaning Iowa because of the phony final with Wisconsin last week where they they blew out Indiana, but that game was close late into the third quarter.
1: All right, so interesting conversation, and lean Iowa Ken was the one strong opinion. Well, actually, Fez had a lean, too, so both leans on Iowa. Next game, TCU-Oklahoma. Oklahoma at home favored by six and a half. Little extra juice, so it's close to seven, and this is a new Heisman favorite in this game. And I'm wondering, Brad, how does this affect the game?
3: Well, yeah, it, look, it hasn't been a positive right now, at least this college football season to be a favorite. Hasn't been a, a positive to be the favorite coming into the season. The last seven, eight years, only one guy in the top eight has actually cl- gone on to win the Heisman this year. Anybody that's been up there week after week seems to you know fall flat on their face. Last week, it was JT Barrett off a of four touchdown performance against Penn state throws four interceptions this week for this particular game. The overwhelming Heisman favorite now Baker Mayfield for Oklahoma right now in some markets, minus 150, the overwhelming favorite. And he's off a a historical performance against Oklahoma State. I'll be honest with you, from what I've seen so far this season and past years, I'd like to fade that this week. So you have a lean on TCU. Yeah, and what I got here is the much better defense. I mean, you look at TCU, the last four games in the Big 12 have given up an average of seven points per game. Seven points per game in conference play against that overrated Oklahoma defense that just gave up 600 yards last week. Better defense, getting a touchdown here. Lean on the Horn Frogs. If
1: right, as you're passing and as the special guest, we have you just come with your strongest opinions, but any thoughts, uh, give us the one factor that you think matters most in this game.
4: You know, I'm going to call an audible. I'm going to lean TCU. We know that fading the Heisman Trophy winner is a profitable thing to do in bowl games. Why not fade the a newly appointed favorite to win the Heisman as well. He spends a week on ESPN, doing interviews, being distracted. It makes a lot of sense to me.
2: I, I agree. Ken Thompson, leaner like lean TCU. Uh, it's a TCU team right now that has the best defense. They went into Stillwater like Oklahoma did. Only they shut down that of Oklahoma state. They didn't just trade points with them and get the last 10 points to, or end up winning the game by 10, 62, 52, but it was a three point game and Okie state driving TCU went into Stillwater. They made a statement. It's a good, solid defense. They're not flashy on offense, but a good running game. As long as Kenny Hill does not melt down and make mistakes like he did against Iowa State, turn the ball over once at the 11, once at the 5, cannot do that in a game like this. That would get, give Oklahoma the momentum. But I just think Oklahoma's defense is porous, and I think TCU will run the ball down their throat.
3: Yeah, and I think one more factor here that's going to be intriguing that I want to track in future years, this is the first time that Oklahoma and Oklahoma State played a game, not the last game of the regular season, a very heated rivalry. So I'm going to be interested to see how Oklahoma and Oklahoma State respond off of a big rivalry game. Because they're usually playing at the end of the regular season. They never have a game afterwards. We'll see if both teams are in a flat spot here.
1: Okay, good stuff. Next game. Uh Uh-oh, we're getting to the meat of things. Pros versus Joes, game number one. Alabama, Mississippi State. Bama on the road, favored by 13 and a half. The pros on Mississippi State, the Joes, Alabama, 94% of the tickets up at pregame.com on Bama, 94% and only 69% of the money. Plus, from our sportsbook sources, Mississippi State, smart money. Okay, so let's be clear. If you like Alabama, (laughs) you're with the Joes. But remember, we don't hit them with Huey unless they like it, unless they like it. Brad Powers, lean or light. Can you hit it with me? I'll like it, just so I could hear Huey. Luna, I like him so much. Listen, listen, don't be disingenuous. We are honest. It doesn't matter what's entertainment. We love to be entertaining, and that's all my amazing stories and entertaining stories, yarns, some would call them. But when it comes to
3: our picks and our true opinions, we're always straight down the middle. lean. Bama, explain. Lean Bama, but I'll say this. Looking at my number when we were doing prep before the show, it was Alabama 14, a key number. I'm looking here, a current number looks like it's 13 and a half in some spots. So I'm telling you, legitimately, if it's 13 and a half, I like the Crimson Tide. I appreciate
1: that, but I wish you would have done your work early enough that we would have had the information beforehand. So you can call <laughs> it like, but we're not going to hit you with three. Right, Give enough. us your
3: handicap. Well, I'm just worried. Can Mississippi State, you know, be in a game with a big top 10 team? Last two years have been ugly against Alabama. You look at the combined score, 82 to 9, and this spread's pretty confident. It's a pretty... I would say competitive line game for an Alabama game. You look at their two top 10 opponents. They played this year on the road at Georgia and Auburn got outscored 80 to 13. So they haven't been able to really even compete against the top 10 teams. the Last couple of years. I'm not sure they can compete in this one. I lean with the crimson tide. Like it 13 and a half. Though.
1: <laughs> <laughs> one, one way or the other. He's gonna, I like I lean. Wait. I mean, I like. No, I lean. (laughs) Let's do this. For those keeping score at home, we're going to stick to the lean and the scores. Lean is official. Okay. Ken, I think we have this straight. If you say Alabama like,
2: that means you're square. Lean or like. No, I lean Alabama. (laughs) No, and here's the thing. I, I nearly put down Mississippi State. I looked at it because the difference is Starkville. And Stark Vegas with the cowbells and all of that atmosphere could change things. And then I just looked back and I said, boy, Alabama just wears teams down. So I lean towards Alabama, but I'm not going to be playing this game at all, RJ.
1: So, Brad, we've been talking about Bama in the second half, having such an elite quarterback, even though Saban has not been looking to run it up typically. But they're just so good with that backup. Uh, Do you feel like that's applicable here? As you get below uh, below two touchdowns, Maybe not as much, but is that a factor?
3: Uh, it is a little bit here because we've seen Mississippi state get worn down in the second half. And if it gets to be 14, 17 points there and Alabama brings in that backup quarterback and, and at 14 or 17, they might only do that
1: with three minutes left. But if he doesn't turn the ball over, you know, it's still good to have that better
3: backup. If they're up by 20 with three minutes left, they might put him in. Well, here's the thing they, he's been getting possessions, even with the game competitive. So when you got two quarterbacks, they want to kind of outdo one another. So, again, when you when you got that situation in a competitively priced game for Alabama, that's why I'm laying with Crimson Tide. They could run it up here.
2: RJ, real quick, because Nick Fitzgerald's the one-man band for Mississippi State. The guy's over 2,500 yards of offense and 25 touchdowns himself he's accounted for. He's thrown for 13. He's rushed for 12. So when you have that, you have Bama, who has the most speed collectively defensively. They have somebody spy the quarterback all the time. So things that Fitzgerald gets against other teams in the SEC, he will not get against Bama.
1: All right, Fez, let's set the context. The smart, me and the sharps are on Mississippi State. Brad on Bama,
4: lean, lean. Ken on Bama, lean, lean or like? Lean Alabama. You know, Alabama should have won every single game this year by 14 or more. You know, if there's three
1: wise guys and they all lean, you got to get Huey.
4: So Alabama should have won every single game this year by 14 or more points. I know they only beat A&M by eight, but that's because A&M got a miracle backdoor score after getting down big. Alabama has Mercer. Isn't that a consulting firm next week? And they're not exactly going to be looking ahead. You know, I'm leaning (laughs) enough. Fez, who is a Northwestern grad,
1: spent how long were you an actuary? 15 years. Did you have a pocket protector? Oh, several, <laughs> <laughs> and now he's talking about consulting
4: firms named Verser. I'm sorry, go ahead. well, I'm confident enough in my lien. If anyone would like to go against me, I'll bet a hundred on Alabama minus the thirteen and a half right now,
1: so you're saying, and that's interesting because that even money, but you won't bet it if I want one ten no, no <laughs> <laughs> that's why it's only a lien. <laughs> All right. Pros versus Joes. Number two. This should be hopefully just as fun. Oklahoma State. Iowa State. Okie State favored by six and a half. A little extra juice. And we've got the smart money from our sportsbook sources. But also ticket count on Okie State. 76%. So that's where the Joes are. Okie State. The pros. The pros on Iowa State.
3: All right, Brad Powers. Pros on Iowa State. I'm on Iowa State. Leaner like I like Iowa State here, and and, uh, it's just a personal handicapping philosophy for me. Not not (laughs) I never do anything blindly, obviously, but I like defensive home underdogs. And what do I mean by defensive? I have the by far the better defense. I'm at home and I'm catching points. It's check mark, check mark, check mark for me. And plus, I got questionable motivation. You talk about the dream crusher. Oklahoma state just got it last week. They're off the bedlam loss. Their biggest game of the season. They come up just short. Iowa state. I was impressed with them. Not at the start of the game. They could have folded a tent against West Virginia down 20, to nothing in a bad spot. They rally and almost win the game outright. I've liked what I've seen. I've seen a lot of fight out of Iowa state. Love the cyclones here. All right. So maybe taking off the rubber band even, but remember Brad
1: has a best bet coming up, which he likes even more. And he's got an obscure game. He's going for highest (laughs) Possible net profit on this one. Like Iowa State from Brad. The Sharps, Iowa State. RJ,
2: Iowa State. Ken, lean or like? Ken leans Iowa State, and that's because I like the coach, Matt Campbell. Gundy was the guy for a long time. He was the man at 40 and still a pretty good coach. But Matt Campbell is the up-and-coming coach. He's the real deal, and Brad makes a great point. They never shut down and quit against uh, West Virginia in Morgantown, down 20 to nothing. That game could have gotten ugly, but they did. They made it 20-16, to 16, outscored them 13 nothing in the second half, shut them out in the second half, and they've got comparable receivers to Oklahoma State's. In fact, Oklahoma State's leading receiver, Washington, may not play in this game. He's pretty banged up, so we'll keep an eye on that. But I just like the defense, and I like the fortitude, and I, I just like the way that Campbell has his team going, and you know Ames is going to be rocking. If they have a chance to knock off Gundy and Okie State, they're still going to be up for the game.
1: All right, so another another lean Iowa State. Everyone,
4: including the smart money Iowa State. Fez, leaner like? Yeah, lean Iowa State. Let's get on that plane trip back to Ames, Iowa. No disappointment. Yeah, they'd like to have won in West Virginia, but this is a team that's happy to go to the Weed Eater Bowl most years, and now they're in position still to go to a major bowl. They are excited. Contrast that with Oklahoma State. They had it. It was right there. They're driving down three late against hated Oklahoma. They lose Bedlam. Wow. Tough spot.
1: Game number seven. This is our last one before we have the most actionable games. Smart money, double likes and best bets coming up. First though, this is Brad's one and only total game. So that's actionable too. Cause he gets the pick amongst all these games. Just one total game on the side though. We got Notre Dame, Miami of Florida, Notre Dame, favored by three on the road. Brad, let's start with the total.
3: Yeah, I'm going under the total in this one. And what I like here is a Notre Dame defense that had been among the top 10 in the country. Hadn't allowed more than 20 points in any game this season last week off an embarrassing performance against Wake Forest. I expect a very motivated Notre Dame defense on the other side. Miami's defense is by far probably the best defense Notre Dame's seen since the Georgia game where Notre Dame was held to 19 points in that one. I think we're getting a little bit of value in the marketplace because the Wake Forest Notre Dame game had a total of 85 points scored in the rain last week under the total. My pick here
1: under 57
3: and like a half too. like
1: it's a like baby. It's only total. It's a like under 57 and a half.
2: Ken, you're passing this baby. Give us your number one factor. Number one factor is I think these two teams are pretty much evenly matched. I did like the crowd participation that you got for Miami who really hasn't had a home field advantage. A good one. In South Beach since, you know, back when the days when they became the U and, and they had such a, a, a dominant run for such a long time. Last week against Virginia Tech, they had a good crowd. Now in this one, because there are so many Notre Dame fans transplanted down in southern in uh, southern uh, Florida over there, I would think that, uh, you know, it's probably going to be 60-40 Miami fans. I think Notre Dame will be well supported. And I think both these teams are solid. They're both running the ball well. And Miami's just a hell of a lot better than we all thought they were.
1: All right, Fez, we got the tightrope music starting. We talked about our Fox show. You've been pounding, and I mean pounding, that Miami is the most overrated team in college football, maybe in years. I mean, he only has, Brad. He comes in for the very end of the college football recap, and he's only got three points he can make on a whole card. And for like three weeks in a row, it was Miami's overrated. It was one of his three points. I've never seen anything like it. All right. So maybe he's going to stand his ground. I mean, listen, the guy got so much confidence in his opinion.
4: Miami, three points underdogs at home against Notre Dame. Lean or like huh I lean Miami. <laughs> I was going to like them, but I realized I was going to get destroyed <laughs> if I went ahead and did that. Two major So, Honestly, though, you're on the brink of liking them. I'm on the brink of liking him. So
1: explain to us honestly, because to me, it's one thing to be wrong. And You only need to be right 55% of the time to live in a big house like you do. So that's the easy part. You're not always going to be right. But how quickly you can get off a bad opinion is actually a good thing, right? If you have a reason to get off, because the paradox is someone will say, I hate this team. I hate this team. They play one good game. Oh, but maybe I like them, And then, but you were right all along. That one game was the aberration. So in general, how do you balance that? And what was your decider with the Hurricanes?
4: Well, I th- the fact that the Hurricanes, I think, can play very well in a competitive game when they're lined close to pick. I still think they're a terrible favorite, and they showed themselves to be a terrible favorite. But hold on, hold on. You weren't saying, I think I'm profiling
1: this team, and when they're big favorites, they should, we should look to not play on them. That's not what you were saying. It was not what I was saying. You were saying that they were way
4: overrated. Now, do you still think Miami is way overrated? I do not. So what's changed? They were able to step up in class against a worthy top 20. So your answer
1: is they played better than a bad team. So they're a good team. They played better than a good team. (laughs) So, so, So,
4: So what I'm saying is, so you don't know why you were wrong. I really don't. I know. Right. That th- I That's know that a good they, starting point. They played a great game against Virginia Tech, and now they're in a great spot. This is very important. But but back up. I'm, I'm, mm-hmm. We'll get to this game. My my point being, what made? Let's back up even further. What made you not like Miami of Florida? It was all the close wins. Two close wins they should have lost against Georgia Tech and against Florida State, and then two. Very bad showings against Syracuse, who was greatly improved, but against North Carolina, who I considered to be a dead team.
1: Okay, so you have four games in which you think that the scoreboard, the result was not indicative of their true strength and that they were overrated in all four of those games. Yes. You have one game that they seem to over or they overperform, and it's got you
4: convinced you were wrong? Well, the first two games could have gone either way, but the last two games were the ones that I thought were condemning They played so flat. They were not up for those games against Syracuse and North Carolina.
1: Okay. So now we're starting to think it was a mode. Is this almost like the Iowa issue? Is this is a team that maybe when uh, it's not a fever pitch kind of performance, that's obvious, like a super competitive game. Maybe look to play against them because motivation is going to be a big question mark, but they got the talent and look to give them more respect when
4: they, you know, they're going to be up. That is my current conclusion. Further, I think a place that hasn't had much of a home field advantage was Rock and against Virginia Tech. And I think that that home field against worthy, good opponents is going to be there.
1: So, Brad, what did you do with Miami on your power ratings last week? Uh, well, I had a best bet against Miami. so that Fezzik means- probably was the one kept saying it. I mean, anyone listening would have to, you know, at some point, relent.
3: Yeah, I did, actually. I mean, <laughs> so you're blaming Fezzik. No, I blame myself. <laughs> I really do. But, you know, I upgraded him a couple points. And I agree. So, two him. points. Two points after that one. That's I mean, it. I had him, li- well, maybe two and a half. But here's where I also get. Well, I'm sorry. Did you grade him two or two and a half? I think it's two and a half. What you're asking? I got 130. Well, teams you might that, want to bring your sheet. Perhaps yes, it was two. I th- it was two and a half. <laughs> I'm not asking you to memorize them. Well, I'll
1: just have the right answer.
3: Well, it's a complicated question because it was no. Probably just. Not. They had a
1: power rating last week. They have a power. But rating I also this upgraded
3: week. their home field advantage, which I totally doesn't agree it have with.
1: anything to do with the question I asked. Yes. All right. <laughs> so either two or two and a half. Yeah. I'll accept that. Now, what did you see in that game?
3: Miami's I saw a team I hadn't seen all year in that. particular. So was it just do you feel like it's just motivation? It could be. It's a very young team, a young rising program that maybe doesn't handle expectations well, but in a big game, they can play finally up to their talent level. So
1: specifically kind of this question, what did you see in Miami's performance last week?
2: I just saw a team that was uh, not intimidated at all by Virginia Tech and For Miami being a home underdog when that line started out, Miami played like they were the favorite, like they were supposed to win. That was the confidence that I saw, and they gained it more and more. And they understand they have a quality coach. And Mark Richt, he's back at his alma mater, and he's doing good things. So, and when you have a young, it's a young team, too,
1: what we say? oh, yeah. I mean, they tend to trend up during the season more, too, right? Yep. So, Fez, it seems like all of this kind of Socratic back and forth here has gotten us in a good place, that that our thought is Miami, when there's questionable motivation – a minimum don't play on them, but because all those low motivation games are blended in where other teams might play more up in those low motivation spots, Miami stats and even their ATS results aren't going to look as good as maybe their true talent level. So it seems like handicapping their motivation is the key to Miami
4: spot on. And I think they are going to be ultra motivated in this game.
1: And that's why you lean in almost like Miami. And once again, it's Notre Dame favored by three. Now, would we say Notre Dame is another team? Style points don't matter. If they win out, they're in. There's no scenario not. And if they lose, they're out. Absolutely. All right, interesting. And really, as a three-point favorite, it doesn't matter. But I think we brought up that point. All right, guys. The stakes are going up. We're going into all of our actionable games. First one, smart money. We got Clemson. Clemson favored by 16. Smart money, Clemson. That's rare. A two touchdown favorite with the smart money, smart money game on Clemson. So let's get this baby straight. Clemson
3: is sharp. Florida State square. Brad, leaner like. I lean with Clemson here. And usually I'm a guy that's been preaching on these podcasts all year. I like normally playing on outlier lines. And this is one as far as Florida State being a huge underdog. Do we
1: have anything? When's the last time Florida State was this big of a dog? 2009. Really? That was against, in my rem- Number Florida? one, Florida, Tim Tebow, Urban Meyer, Roland. Okay. But prior to that, if I'm not mistaken, because I looked this up and didn't bring my notes, I think it had been like a couple of decades, right? Yes. Okay. So one time since like the, you know, 20 years or so, they've been this big of a dog. Yep.
3: And as far as this game though, I think it's deserved, if not even more, because Florida State last week, I thought was very fortunate to beat Syracuse. Didn't cover, still the only team in the country not to cover a point spread get out gained by 120 yards benefited from Syracuse missing a couple of field goals. Shouldn't have won the game. Their three biggest plays are just three long runs. Basically other than that, they didn't do anything on offense, even though the market buys this team week after week, at least they have the last couple of weeks. I'm not seeing any buy signs with Florida state.
1: Okay. So lean Clemson for Brad smart money. Clemson RJ on with the smart money. Ken Thompson, leaner light.
2: KT's on with the smart money as well. And when you look at a guy on the defensive line for Clemson, Clellan Farrell, this guy is absolutely ridiculous. He's just taking over games. He is that good. And Kelly Bryant, the ankle is good enough. He's ready to roll. And Florida State, I watched him last week because I had Syracuse. 27-24 the final. Like Brad said, Syracuse outgained him by 120 yards. And Florida State on third downs last week, RJ, one for 13 on your home field. Absolutely pathetic. If you're one for 13 against Syracuse defense, Good luck going to Death Valley against Clemson's defense.
1: Okay, wow. It looks like everyone's sharp here. (laughs) Clemson has the smart money. I'm on Clemson. Where's the Brian
2: Adams? Cut like a
1: knife. Brad's on... (laughs) Sharp as a knife, baby. Brad's on Clemson. Ken's on Clemson. Only one guy left. The only two-time Super Contest champion. Some would say the face of the Sharps in Vegas. Fez, lean or like? Yeah, lean to Florida State and... Oh, wait you're not supposed to do that when it's just the lean are you no ah, my, my fingers slipped my fingers I, slipped. you know what's funny funny though guys go back 30 seconds some of your players have it when he comes in he goes ah, i got
4: but florida state <laughs> say it say it if you i believe. lean to florida state and here is why at the end of the year teams simply don't go Owen. and 13, 0 and 12, 1 and 11 against the point spread. And the reason is typically is that if you blindly go ahead and bet a team that's 0 and 8 against the spread, you're going to wind up making money more often than not because those teams get so many more extra points from the odds makers and the public that you get tremendous value. My mistake here is I should have put lean Florida State at post because I think that this spread is going to go higher. And so putting it a lean opened up now, at 19, it's 16. And now I think it's going to go up. I really do. So, well, let's wait and see. But I agree. Leaning to them now is a mistake. Well, there's 87% of the tickets on Clemson. So I, I think there's some truth there that, that
1: I got to expect this to be all Clemson. Guys, let me pose something because I do, especially when I don't have my own opinion, I go with the Sharps. But we always are like fighting. And, 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 and you know, Warren Buffett used to talk about uh, and there was a guy named. Oh, I'm having a mental block. He's Benjamin Graham. And he was Warren Buffett's mentor, if I'm remembering right. And if you like Warren Buffett, obviously a huge brand and a bit, you know, one of the richest guys in the in the history of the world is he actually participated in a biography called Snowball, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, it, it really is a great book about Buffett's life. And. Benjamin Graham, that's it, as I'm thinking about it. Uh, I think he taught at NYU and then Warren went up and spent some time studying on, under him. But they had a concept of the last puff on a cigar. Imagine you're walking around back in the days, more people smoked cigars, especially like, you know, with street people who were at the joints or whatever, playing cards and smoking cigars. And the theory is if you could find a cigar on the ground that had one puff left, that's where the pure value was because you were getting it for free. Right. Forget that it was in the gutter, I guess. Back in the old days, they didn't care about that. And in a way, what Buffett figured out, because the irony of Berkshire Hathaway, which really is representative of Billions, which is his holding company, that used to be a textile company in the Atlantic reason, region, the Northern Atlantic region up there, I guess around Massachusetts, et cetera, that they bought, Buffett bought like in the early 60s. And again, I'm going by memory and spent like 10 years trying to turn this thing around because he felt like it had all this value. But in truth, the macro factors were trending down because all this stuff was getting offshore. And he ended up losing a bunch of money on Berkshire, which again remained his holding company. And to me, what's fascinating is Buffett said, you know, I want value, but the fundamentals have to be right on top of the value. Even if the the cigar still has a puff, but someone peed on it, I don't necessarily want that cigar, even though there's still a puff left. I think wise guys have kind of figured that out, Fez. And, you know, let's kind of go behind the scenes a little bit into the casino mentality for a second. Is, you know, there's been an evolution of Sharps. And I think even 10 years ago that it was kind of the, and I mentioned Mark Lawrence on another podcast, it was kind of like the Mark Lawrence mentality. Can you run the ball? Can you, you know, do you fight hard at the end of the game? Just this idea of trying to find pure, that last puff on the cigar, playing a bunch of dogs. And what I think has changed, especially in college football, is sharps are playing a much higher percentage of favorites and these dogs that are incompetent, I, it doesn't matter how many points they're getting within reason, I guess. The, the sharp is the new age sharps, the under 35 year old sharps seem like they're not playing these kind of one puff on the cigar teams much anymore. Do, do you agree with that generally? Somewhat. So which way do you agree? Which way do you disagree?
4: I still think that the Sharps are going to knee-jerk and bet anybody getting 40 points, RJ, no matter how bad the team is because they look at the historical trends and say that's been such a profitable subset.
1: Fair enough. And if you actually look, and I tweeted this out, is if you actually look at 30-point dogs in the last couple years, they've been covering at 30 or more. They've been covering at a really, really high rate. So all this talk of style points and all that just... It's inflated these lines so much. Right. And you talked about that on Fox Fez when after you talked about Miami one of these weeks, is <laughs> is you talked about how that not the, the odds makers have been trying to make these big favorites, you know, unbettable. And even then they're getting bet three or four points up. And in, in your mind, you think at post, closer to game time, betting on some of these really big dogs. Uh, uh, offer a real good opportunity.
4: Yeah, and I think the critical evaluation is a team like UMass are playing Mississippi State last week. Mississippi State has the big game coming up. The line goes up from 28 to 35 because UMass doesn't win any games, but that was stealing to take that big dog. The problem with me back in Florida State here is I'm taking an ultra public team to start the year. No,
1: no, I understand, but let's back up just a minute and then we'll get to Florida State. Let's look at ugh, Green Bay. We're taping on Tuesday. I had my, one of my best bets on the Packers to me, it was Hundley had two weeks and I, a lot of people agreed. It was a, I I think by most accounts, a pretty sharp play after watching that game, I am not betting green Bay. I believe that there's not just a spectrum. And I know that square because the squares are saying the same thing, but I'm going to start asking myself a new question in the NFL. By the way, we do our NFL Dream Preview that comes out Thursday morning. Fezzik, me and Maddie Holt going tomorrow on that is. Is the quarterback competent for the team I want to bet now competent is subjective, but could you imagine this guy thrown for 300 yards? Not every game, but one out of even, you know, a a Hoyer is competent, right? The Jets quarterback is competent. I mean, no one thinks these quarterbacks are better than 25, 26, 27, 28, but they, can, they could have a 300-yard day. Do you see, after watching Green Bay,
4: uh, Hunley thrown for 300 yards? God, no. And, and to speak to the Jets quarterback, he's like the 16th best quarterback in the league right now. Only 18 teams even have a competent
2: quarterback. RJ, as far as I'm concerned, I think Mike McCarthy's mis Hanley. It's not that... I don't think the guy may not be able to throw the ball down the field. If you don't have any plays where you let him throw the ball down the field, how will we ever find out? The only time he threw the ball down the field was at the end of the game with under six minutes to go, and he drove him down the field a couple times. Now, granted, Detroit was sitting back prevent defense, but again, if you have a guy in your system that you have supposedly there in case Rodgers goes down, well, then he should be able to run that system. And if you're not going to let him throw the ball more than seven, eight yards down the field, I don't think he's the right guy for your team. You know,
1: I'm always apprehensive to question NFL coaches just because there's so many things going on. It's almost like people that watch Jeopardy, they're like, I could beat that Jeopardy. But if you actually watch Jeopardy, everyone's pressing that button every time. Mm -hmm. It's just they're just a millisecond off or whatever. So you could be right. I'm not in a position to judge McCarthy as a, you know, as an offense, like the scheme of the offense. But Fez, I guess my question, and then I want to get specifically to Florida State. Last question. I'm going to keep it very narrow. Would you agree that the percentage of the obvious last puff on the cigars, that the sharp, young Sharps bat is a smaller percentage than the old Sharps bat? Oh, very much so. And w- why do you think that? Is it some is it the logic that i'm laying out which is sometimes the 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 detriments the negatives of a team are bigger than even an unpopular team is accounted for with that like we talked about the browns like how do you bet the browns with kaiser it doesn't matter sometimes it doesn't matter if they're getting 28 points which would be what no power rating would ever say that's right but if the quarterback's gonna throw two interceptions and can't Convert in any situation, seemingly. How do you bet that team?
4: Well, you can't. And we talked about the reason being is teams throw sixty percent of the time now. They used to throw forty percent. The quarterback is so critical to your success. You can't bet a Kaiser. All
1: right. So now here, it's all come around. Or an Osweiler,
4: (laughs) perhaps. Right.
1: All right. So it's all come around. Are you making fun of Fez's best bet on the Broncos?
2: I disagree with him. I said, who goes against Philly as hot as they are? And who bets on Denver as cold as they are? Oh, that's that's where the value Osweiler, is. Wait, wait, right? and that's what I got the text from Fez. Osweiler's going. Great. I,
4: <laughs> I have to tell this Fair story. This is a good story. So I give Ken five NFL <laughs> games. All right. I go, I believe, three, one and one. Right. I'm winning three of them. One of them's coin flip. And what's my text from him? Denver. Are you serious?
2: Well, I, because I <laughs> well questioned him. Well, well, here's yeah. the thing. I questioned him before the game. <laughs> and I questioned Mark Lawrence. And every sharp that I knew that came on my radio show was talking on Denver, and they're coming off a Monday night. Their third they've played three straight road games, Philly's third straight game at home, and they're killing everybody. <laughs> Understand that Philly's going to the Super Bowl. Get it together, guys.
1: Listen, this actually is it, it could be Ken to- We might start doing a thing. It could be Ken Thompson or it could be a troll on Twitter. So I'm going to read something to you and you can tell me, is it Ken or Twitter? RJ, I went six, one, and one with your podcast last week, RJ, money sign, money sign, money sign. Only game I lost was last night. You guys really effed up on green Bay. (laughs) (laughs) So six, one, and one, but he's using the one F word about the, the one loser. It could be Ken. It could be. Tw- he's giving you a bunch of winners. Well, it, it,
2: the bottom line is. Don't you lead with the winners? What, and then why don't you ask him how many winners I've given him? Yeah. Please. But, but does he complain with the losers? <laughs> he, uh, he doesn't.
1: <laughs> he, he doesn't.
2: I got to be, be honest. It. Him and Crackman are two guys that never complain because they're professionals. All
1: right. So last question, Fez. If we're always looking for those dogs, right? And sometimes it's the last puff and we're trying to figure are we old school or new school. Florida State's talent is no other than the quarterback situation, which right now, where's your adjustment at? Because you were at, what, six or seven points. Still
3: there. I right. haven't seen any improvement.
1: So if the if somehow the miracle and the starting quarterback from Florida State came back, the, the in theory, the line would be nine, right? And Florida State would be a nine-point underdog with their starting quarterback? I think so. All right. So the question is, this team is as where did you have Florida State what range entering the season, Brad? Number three. They pretty much have the same team, minus seven points for the quarterback. Isn't this the per I mean, isn't this the game they're gonna feel a little embarrassed thinking they could maybe salvage their season? Like if they win this game, it will be their statement win. So we're gonna get in these rivalry spots where you've got the 17 point dog, but if they only beat, you know, interstate school, they their season's made isn't Florida state playing with that
4: fever pitch this week? You would think so, but I'm trying to catch the falling knife because they have not covered once all year, which means there's value. Probably Everyone more that's value bad at post. post, huh? Probably more value at post, but are you looking and, and you're looking to bet Florida state at post.
1: Yes. And that's my point is I, I hear the sharps are where they are, but this feels like almost like you've got five-star recruits feeling like they're the, the, the little state school that has to win this one game to salvage their season.
2: Because your one five-star recruit that's not producing is your quarterback, and he's the guy that's driving the ship. DeAndre Francois drove the ship last year and would have driven it very well this so year. So you're
1: saying, Brad, seven points isn't enough for uh, the downgrade to
2: this backup. You know what? I have I have Francois rated in Florida State system almost like an Aaron Rodgers in the Green Bay system. Yeah, so to
1: me, it the more... And and this is something I was thinking about today. And again, a reference to the NFL. And then we're moving to our first double, like who I would love to see a rating. We're going to have to do this. Just everyone's so busy is if every NFL team had a row ball quarterback, that was the same, what would be that Your one to 32 Jacksonville, number one, and it's not close. Oh, well, it's enough. If they're just number one and green Bay, like 25, 26? Maybe lower. Well, yeah, but they're only 30 with with a backup quarterback, right? Yeah. So if everyone had the same quarterback, so it just strikes me. And, and the Colts would have been what with with um
4: luck? I mean, probably 10, 11, 12, right? Sure. And, and now they're 32. Well, I mean, they've got a decent enough quarterback with Brissette, so they're like 25. Well, no, they're like 28, 28. Brissette's Hold on a second. In your, po-
1: in your power ratings...
4: You've got the Colts as the worst team in the league. I'm moving them up. Oh, really? Yeah, they're going to be about 28th or 29th.
2: That's a big jump from 32. Where do you have Cleveland in the Niners?
4: Cleveland is
0: last. And, but, but the so. question is,
1: if Cleveland, if you just look at the roster beyond quarterback, is Cleveland 20? 18? They got better, a lot of players. Better, on
4: that. Huh? Better. Yeah. Look at the yards per play. Even with Kaiser, they're right in the middle of the league. So that's the point is maybe college
1: is becoming this too, though. Alabama's so good. It doesn't apply to them is it's all about the quarterback. And I mean, the idea playoffs, that- RJ. Cleveland playoffs, what they'd make the playoffs. If, if there was a robotic quarterback, <laughs> yes, <laughs> pregame.com. I'm RJ bell. That was Steve Fezzik. That wasn't me. We got Ken Thompson, We got Brad Powers, double like time, baby. Georgia, Auburn. Auburn at home, opened as a two-point favorite. Now they're a three-point dog. It's Georgia three on the road. We got two likes on this game. First one, Ken Thompson.
2: Yeah, I'm going to go with Auburn here. I like the way Stidham, the new quarterback, has really progressed in the system. on Johnson is the real deal. And this Auburn team going home, they know they control their own destiny. They have two cracks at Georgia. The first one at home at Jordan-Hare, they win that game. If they can win the Iron Bowl against Alabama, this team with two losses could knock off Georgia in the SEC championship game and get themselves into the playoffs by winning the SEC. Georgia, a good solid team, but when you look at them, they're only plus three in turnovers. They only have 17 sacks on the entire season the one thing Georgia has done well against teams that like to run the ball, they've shut them both down. Uh, Notre Dame was the first one they shut down. And then last week, South Carolina, they held them to, what, 25 yards rushing. So uh, it's a Georgia team that I know has a good, solid defense, but I think I'm, uh, I'm going to lean towards Auburn. There's something about home field advantage in a big-time game, a big-time atmosphere. This will be that game, and I think Auburn will get the win. Like Auburn. Steve Fezzik, you like
4: like auburn it's all about two coin flip games if you ask me really auburn should have one loss georgia should have no losses and this should be a pick but what happened georgia well they should have no losses, but they could have lost against Notre Dame. That was a coin flip game. It came up heads. Georgia wins. What happened when uh, Auburn played their coin flip game against LSU? They had the lead, long punt return, coin flip comes up, tails. So they get a loss. So it looks like a no-loss team against a two-loss team. Really, it's the difference between these teams should be one loss, value Auburn.
2: That's a- great analyzation. I'll tell you right now. That's awesome. <laughs>
1: Coming through, the special guest. All right, Brad, you lean Auburn. Let's start with why not like. What's
3: keeping you off? Uh, I can't trust it. You know, you talk about Jared Stidham, the quarterback. I still haven't seen in two big games this year that they face Clemson and LSU. I haven't liked what I've seen from Jared Stidham. First off, they can't protect him. Uh, He's nine out of 26 against LSU. He gets sacked 11 times against Clemson. There are two big games this year against top 10 competition. They haven't gotten the job done. What makes you think uh, they're going to be able to do it here uh, against Georgia? Now, I do think they're going to be able to do it, but that's that's the problem that I have as far as not liking Auburn here because I I love this Georgia team. They're number two in my power ratings. I'd favor them over any other team in the country outside of Alabama. But what I see in this game is two very similar teams. They both like to run. What do they do best on defense? They both like to stop the run. And I get a, a defensive team getting points at home and maybe one of the better teams in the last 17 years as far as just Blindly betting them as a home underdog, 60%. I'd take that any season that, for the rest of my life. And how about three outright upsets over top two teams? That's more than any other uh, program in the country.
1: You know, to me, just from listening to you guys, this is my kind of game. I love Auburn here because Fez is right. And and I didn't watch the whole game. Notre Dame, there was a field goal at the end of that yeah, it's game. It's about
2: two, no, what, 245, 345, yeah. 345, somewhere in that. Right, so that Five.
1: field goal goes the other way. I mean, you could make the case Auburn's three and a half here, right? I mean, it opened Auburn two. I mean, with the with the undefeated. So to me, that that idea that Georgia's now at the top of those college football rankings, right? And uh, it just it, it seems like it's about a coin flip that is adjusting the sign, you know, th- three plus points. That's where value comes from. So I also like Auburn here. Just the logic behind it. Next double like. And then we're going into best bets, baby. Three best bets. We got Florida. We got South Carolina. South Carolina favored by
3: seven. And Brad Powers, you like? South Carolina in this one. And one of my number one factors is Will Muschamp, the former coach at Florida. Didn't get a chance to, to really act, you know, grind that ax last year on the road in Gainesville. But I think if he gets an opportunity, we talk about motivation and they're more than a touchdown favorite. I think if he gets a chance to put an extra score to win by 14 or 17 in this one, he's going to do it and really step on the throat of a Florida program. That's really down. I like South Carolina here. So not just
1: points at the end, because with a seven point spread, maybe not so important because you'd still be trying to score unless it's the very last 30 seconds of the game. Anyway, but focus, motivation. The team, if they like Muschamp, Champ, went into, you know, redemption for him. So I think there's a lot of logic there. Ken, you're the second like on South Carolina.
2: Yeah, I like South Carolina. And here's the thing. If if we go back to the beginning of the year and we do our pre-podcast We're looking at Florida and Florida State battling inside the top 10. Florida State probably in the top three or four, just depending on how that Bama game worked out if Francois was healthy. And now look at it. Who's the worst team in the Sunshine State? Is it Florida or is it Florida State? Because we know Florida Atlantic and Florida International are well over 500 with their new coaches. So this is kind of crazy the way things have happened. But I like South Carolina. I like the way Muschamp has them going. Brad nailed the game last week on the nose as far as the relationship there with Kirby smart and said it would be a close game. And it was, so that should have been his best bet last week. Cause he talked about it the most and he got me on it. And so I kudos to him cause he got me on that play. And I thank him for making me some money. Uh, Florida just right now is a team that I'm going against, whether it's Zaire, whether it's Franks, I don't care who quarterbacks this team has no players right now. that are playing with heart and they just don't have a lot of talent. I think South Carolina is going to bury them.
1: Like South Carolina, both Brad and Ken, Fez, special guest you actually passed this game what's keeping what are you what's the
4: one thing you disagree with that 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 is making you not like or even lean South Carolina the betting markets have me with jelly in the belly the line's seven and a half and I look at my screen and I see it dropping to seven and I'm like what is going on so it's purely the fact the market's moving the other way and Fez I think one thing betters learn
1: when they hit town, you've been here, what, 16 years now? Since 2001, baby. Okay. Is when there's a reason that keeps you off a game, stay, don't be on it because everything's got to line up right to win. Everyone's always worried about missing out on that winner. Well, avoiding a loser is even more valuable. So you, you don't disagree with the handicap. You're reading the market saying it looks like the market sees something that no one here is talking about. Could be a dummy move that's going to get reversed,
4: but you're going to wait. Could be a dummy move. And I agreed with everything these guys said, plus the fact Florida should have showed up last week. They fired their coach. Remember, we talk about this all the time. That's a bet on situation. You kick butt when you fire your coach the first week. No <laughs> show against Missouri. Three games
1: left. They're all best bets. Don't know
0: about the future. That's anybody's guess. Ain't no good reason for getting all depressed. Buy up your pants. Give you a piece of
4: my mind. Mr. Fezzik, give us a piece, a best bet level piece of your mind. Game 134, Boston College plus three, best bet. Coach Adasio, when this team was two and four, I found a quote. He says, This team will be beautiful. Wow. And correct he was. Three straight upset wins at Louisville, at Virginia, Florida State. He knew what he was talking about. He probably knew how young his team was. They're leading. Uh, Uh, quarterback right now, freshman, leading receiver, freshman, leading gainer, running back, freshman, center, freshman. This team has incredible youth. That's why they stunk early in the year. They had to come together. They clearly are coming together. And because the market's looking at season-long statistics and results, this team is greatly undervalued. Boston
1: College now, line opened up four and a half, down to three. Does that concern you,
4: the lost value? Obviously, I'd love to have had the four and a half, but no, oh, really the market. I know speak the obvious, but the market is not just embracing it. They are loving this play. And I think the movement's just going to keep going down, especially considering NC State dream crusher, baby, two back to back critical games, losing both the Notre Dame and
2: Clemson can agree. This great. I agree. Big time. I actually uh Uh, only leaned with NC State. And the only reason I'm leaning... You meant Boston College. uh, I'm sorry, leaning with Boston College. Yeah, they come off, they have three straight wins. They're off a bye, which is huge. But I still have respect for Doran and and North Carolina State and, and the talent of Ryan Finley and Bradley Chubb. And if Bradley Chubb can somehow get up and get the defensive line up for this game, they still could beat Boston College. I saw Notre Dame do it. Notre Dame was trailing by a point at boston college in the third quarter end up coming back and crushing them in the fourth quarter so i respect bc like the way adazio has the team playing but i'm gonna just lean with bc and not play them agree disagree brad i, I agree with
3: both guys uh, i lean with boston college here and not only is it a great spot catching nc state off those two big games but boston college themselves off a buy and this when they needed it because their quarterback was banged up a little bit in their last game so as long as he's healthy and his shoulders healthy Boston college, not only the lean here, but also sprinkle in a little bit of money line here. I think they win the game outright.
2: Yeah. Also uh, Harold Landry, who's by far Boston college's best player is still, still questionable. They need him to pressure Finley and the guys
1: guys. Fezzik is a NFL specialist. The fact he's got the knowledge he does in college football should probably tell you how sharp he is in the NFL. If not, it could be the two super Contests only guy ever to do that. Or it could be that he holds his own and, Let's be candid. He gets me good. You know, it's just I'm a hell of a debater, Fez. You got the better points. It's just I, I have a silver tongue.
4: You know, I I know Jacksonville has the best non-quarterback roster in the league because when I said it, you didn't say anything about it. And <laughs> I saw the wheel spin and you're like, yeah, I can go along with that. <laughs>
1: hey, see, I don't I'm not contrarian, baby. I just speak the truth. Follow him on Twitter at Fezik Sports, F-E-Z-Z. I K. How at- can
2: we follow you on Twitter, RJ? Well,
1: listen, let's get Fezzik first. <laughs> right. At Fezzik Sports, <laughs> F-E-Z-Z-I-K Sports. I think it might be the second best sports batting follow on Twitter.
0: His Twitter handle is at RJ in Vegas.
3: Brad, what's your favorite Twitter? My favorite Twitter? Uh, uh, I was going to say something smart like Miley Cyrus or something. I, don't know. I like Miley. Yeah. I can't yeah. lie about that. <laughs> All right.
1: Two games to go, guys. Two games to go. Ken Thompson, best bet?
2: Yeah, best bet. It's going to be an over with USC coming off the nice win against Arizona in a game that they squandered a big lead. Over 62. Over 62. I think this game will go in the 70s. And uh, here it is. It's supposed to be, and again, we're talking Colorado, so things change weather-wise. But it's, so, it's supposed to be about 55 degrees and clear for this game, a middle of the afternoon game. Last time they played one of these, played Arizona, 45-42 there in Boulder. Montez, Lindsay, they play way better in Boulder and USC getting healthy. You have Ronald Jones for USC. You have Phillip Lindsay for Colorado, two of the best running backs in the country. I think these teams go up and down the field. SC will win the game. It'll be a shootout, but it'll be in the seventies.
1: It's a nice professional presentation there. Fez, you passed the side here. What's your number one factor on the game? And do you, everything Ken saying about the total agree?
4: I agree. 100%. My number one factor would be every time I watch USC it's it's like a video game. They they're unstoppable. There could be eight seconds left in the half. They're on their own fifty. It's they're still score. This team is incredible offensively, and they have lapses on defense. A Canadian
2: I, football I, reference on their own fifty. Yeah, was good. I, I was
1: <laughs> I was gonna, I was going to say is I'm always apprehensive when it's their own fifty versus the opponents, but <laughs> but Fez comes through. All right, Brad. This game it's a big game too. Ten and a half the spread opened
3: up USC favored on the road up to 13 and a half. And you like on the side. Yeah. I like Colorado here. I uh, can kind of briefly mentioned it here. Colorado's a completely different team at home than they are on the road. You look at their home away uh, splits here on the road, they get out game by 126 yards per game at home plus 90 yards per game. So nearly a 200 yards per game difference between home and away. And, and here's the thing for USC. And here's where I'm fighting USC. Is it, you know, are they motivated because they got the Pac-12 South title in front of them here? Or is this finally going to be a spot where they, again, show that they're a little bit tired? 11th straight game for them. They're still a little bit banged up. Yes, they've had two great performances the last two weeks. But on the road against a very good home team, getting double digits. I like the Buffs. Good stuff from Ken. Now,
1: if you want to follow him
3: on Twitter.
0: His Twitter handle is at RJ
1: oh, in Vegas. I hit the wrong button. Ken Thompson. <laughs> Sports X Radio at sports X as in mysterious radio. He's got a show seven to nine Pacific five days a week, every weekday here in Vegas. I would say this, the sharps, the the guys that are the lifers in college or in, in, in all of betting, I think on the sports side tend to listen to Ken. I would say probably more sharp listeners per capita than any show in Vegas. Good stuff from Ken deep knowledge, with players, obviously, deep, deep knowledge. All right, before our last best bet, it's Mr. Brad Powers. This is a guy, you know, I was reading a book from Arnie Lang. Uh, used to long-time sports book. Uh He was part of the Stardust line, actually, which was on k too, way back when. And Arnie's written a lot of books and all that. And he's actually going to be coming in for a podcast. And we're going to be starting a book club where we have one book a month that's sports betting related. We're going to announce it ahead of time. If you're interested, read it. And then we're going to have a podcast around that book, usually with the author. If he's still alive, hopefully we'll get him. If not, we'll have people who are experts in that area. And then we're going to write some stuff up. So, you know, listen, you don't win in this business unless you constantly are trying to learn. And we're going to do that for sure. But in this book from Arnie, he was saying all the touts you know, this book's from 25 years ago. We're actually going to be reviewing a book he just put out called The History of Sports Betting, which is, uh, you know, a new book. But I was reading one of his old books, which was Handicapping 101. And he was saying, you know, all these touts want to act like they're from Vegas, but they're not. And all these touts want to act like that they bet, but they're not. They don't. You know, oftentimes they bet small amounts. Brad, on your Twitter, at Brad Powers 7, the number 7, at Brad Powers 7, you put out a bunch of tickets you're one of the dozen or so guys to go down to the win and you're down there for the the vegas openers you're betting those you're betting stuff in june and july and on your twitter you're putting out ticket a bunch of tickets there's no doubt that you bet and that is something that is so important when it comes to you know if a guy's not backing his bets with his own money why are you going to back him with yours right it's it's really that simple and we always like to go to al for this what are you doing why this guy don't carry his money in a wallet? Hey, why this guy carries money in a roll? And we're gonna do your best bet in a second. I will say this: to tease, Brad, is we haven't given away this week's bonus. It actually and the hubbub slipped past me. So, if you're thinking, you know, I don't want to hear Brad's best bet, I'm gonna just turn off this podcast. We've got
0: (laughs) probably
3: a a reason
1: or two for that. (laughs) Well, listen, not your hottest year, but we've addressed that. And here we are. How'd you do last week? The like I've been doing. Oh, all right. But (laughs) at least you're being honest about it. But you can't listen and not know how sharp Brad is. But we will be giving our special coupon away right after Brad's Best Bet. It's not correlated to like a
3: giveaway after Brad's Best Bet either. Brad, go. Yeah, and we're gonna go and fade the option here. So, what do I need when I want to play against an option team? I want a team that knows how to defend the option. Well, Duke in this case, which is my best bet, Duke minus three. Their head coach David Cutcliffe sees the option every year with Georgia Tech. They played Army the last couple of years. They played Navy last six times against the option, six and zero against the spread. So he's covered against them. I look at how they do, you know, defensively. Well, last year when they played Army, they held Army to a second season low, a hundred. And our second lowest total of the season, 165 rushing yards. Then I also like, Hey, do they have extra time to prep for the option? That would sure be good and swell for this one. Well, yeah, they do. They got a bye week prior to this one. So check mark, check mark. Do they have motivation? Well, sure. Heck they do. They lost five straight entering this game. They're four and five. They need to win this one. If they want to get to a bowl game. And on the other side, what am I catching army off? Arguably their biggest win over air force in two plus decades. They go on the road an Air Force team that's dominated, and they win 21 to nothing. So maybe, and I don't normally question the motivation for a service academy, but I do see it from time to time after they play one another during the regular season. I think a little bit Army down, very motivated. Duke team off a bye, proven that they can defend the option.
2: A short number here, Duke minus three is the pick. That's a great pick because you look at they're looking forward to that Navy game. That becomes for the Commander-in-Chief's trophy, and also they broke a 14-game losing streak to Navy last year. They beat Navy. They've made their season. All right. Good stuff.
1: Good stuff. Let's hope that, you know, it's like when the stats and the scoreboard are misaligned, the stats tend to be correct right now. The stats in this analogy is your depth of knowledge. The bad run is the scoreboard. And if history is any indication, Fez, and you've seen this a lot, when a guy's that sharp,
3: uh,
4: the bad runs and pretty quickly. Oh, absolutely. And let's face it, a sample size of 50 or 80 Go flip a coin eighty times; you'll be shocked how many times you're going to get just runs of tails and heads.
1: And the theory is, you've got a fifty-five percent coin with Brad in the win, and you're still going to get those runs. All right, guys, thank you because we had another up week. I mean, lately the college, the 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 rate of growth has been better than the NFL. That's been amazing. So once again, we're up in the coupon, and you guys. I'm not going to call you greedy. I'm going to call you value conscious conscious because the, the amount of coupon usage, especially as it goes up, is, well, I'll call it impressive or painful to the bottom line, but we want to keep thanking you for all the support. Remember, we've gotten so many iTunes slash Apple ratings, uh, hundreds of them now. We're five stars. The dream preview is perfection and if you want to give us an Apple rating, we appreciate that. If you want to give us a retweet, a Facebook link, whatever it is, it helps grow and it helps us put resources to give you this free content. So, right now, this is your coupon CFB Dream 14. It's $14 off anything you want. Expires Saturday. You can get Brad, you can get Ken, you can get Fez, anybody. Dave Essler, one of our great forum handicappers cfb dream 14 that's all caps and the number one the number 14 just go to buy picks buy anything you want and in the shopping cart put in that coupon you get 14 dollars off guys we also have one more bonus for you and that bonus is we're doing the friday night game it's washington against stanford it's a little five or seven minute pod We give you the leans. We give you the likes. That's up on my Twitter, at RJ in Vegas. We're also up on SoundCloud. And remember, NFL Dream also coming out Thursday. Talk to you there.
0: Thanks for listening to RJ Bell's Dream Preview. Catch the Wise Guy Roundtable each week. College football released on Wednesday, NFL on Thursday. Don't miss any winners. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Visit podcastone.com and download the Podcast One app. Have a question for RJ? You can contact him directly on Twitter at RJInVegas. Live the dream with us each week. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> What's going on, man? Hi, guy. Yeah. Yeah, the team, Loveline, man. You guys remember us from back in the day? Well, we're doing a pod, and we're doing it every day. And we've been doing it for a while, and if you, if I hear one more time people say, God, I loved you and Adam together on Loveline, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're doing a podcast. Will you please just join us at the Adam and Dr. Drew Show, please? Right. At com. It's a great show. Come on now. Only on podcast one. That's us, Adam and Dr. Drew Show. Just like the old days. Doctor's orders. Oh, <laughs> oh man, you're funny. Yep. All right. Let's go save some babies. Let's do it. Now on Podcast One Sports, it's a family affair with Jim Harbaugh, Jack Harbaugh, and JT Rogan on Attack Each Day, the Harbaugh's podcast. We're going to attack this
2: day with an enthusiasm unknown to mankind.
0: Hear incredible stories from one of the greatest voices of our time on Sound of Success, the Dick Enberg podcast. Oh, my. And guess who's talking America's favorite basketball team? Hey, it's Jay Moore, and it is time for America's Lakers podcast. All this and much more. Exclusively on Podcast One Sports. Listen on Apple Podcasts, the new Podcast One app, and where else, Jay? Podcast One dot com.